Thank you so much for welcoming me to St. Paul's. I want to thank director and all the clergy and the management of St. Paul's for allowing me to be part of you today. I know you've been told I come from Kenya and I've been here for a few days and it is my privilege today to share with you the word of God. We are in the period of Lent and uh, I thought it appropriate to share from our second reading, which is focusing on the temptation of Jesus. The Temptations of Christ is a biblical narrative described in the Gospels. We are told that after his baptism, Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights in the Judean desert. In that situation, Satan came and tempted him. The temptations were in three forms. There was lust of the body where he felt hungry. There was lust of the eyes, materialism promised, and the pride of life, which we can call egoism. The significance of the temptations lies in its superlative force. It underscores Jesus' resolve to resist the temptations of the devil and stresses the completeness and finality of Jesus' triumph over his adversary. These indeed are the same three temptations that we do renounce at baptism. When we are baptized, we say that we will renounce the world, the flesh, and the devil. There are obviously times in our struggle with the adversities of mortality when we become weary, we become weakened, and we become susceptible to the temptations that seem to be placed in our pathways. We can easily draw a lesson from the account of the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus was led by the Spirit to the wilderness, preparing himself for the formal ministry which was about to begin. We need to realize that the greatest task ever to be accomplished in this world lay before him. And definitely he needed divine strength. Throughout these days, in the wilderness, he chose to fast, that his mortal body might be subjected to the divine influence of his father's spirit. Jesus was hungry and physically weak, such a time is the tempter's moment when we are emotionally and, and physically spent, when we are weary, 
when we are vulnerable and least prepared to resist the suggestions he makes. This was an hour of danger, the kind of moment in which many people fall and succumb to the subtle allurement of the devil. So the first temptation was to entice Jesus to satisfy his need for food, that most basic physical and biological need. A temptation of the senses, an appeal to appetite, the most common and most dangerous of the devil's allurement. If thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Satan was not simply tempting Jesus to eat, because had he suggested, get out of the wilderness, go to the baker's shop, and buy bread, it would have been no temptation. Mm. Because Jesus, no doubt, intended to eat at the close of his fast. The temptation was to have him eat in a spectacular way, using his divine powers for selfish purposes. It was in the invitation to them, stones, to turn stones into bread miraculously, without waiting or postponing physical gratification. Jesus' response is crystal clear. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Having realized that he had failed in the attempt to induce Jesus to use his divine powers for personal physical gratification, he decided to change tact and went to the other extreme. He tempted Jesus to wantonly throw himself upon the Father's protection. This was a temptation to perform some dazzling feat, some astounding exploit, which might bring crowds of amazed and attentive onlookers. Surely, jumping from the pinnacle of the temple and landing in the courtyard unhurt would be such a spectacle. It would definitely lead to instant public recognition that Jesus was a superior being and indeed did have a message from on high. It would be a sign in the wonder, the fame of which would spread like bushfire throughout all Judea and cause many to believe that the Messiah has indeed come. But we need to realize that faith is to precede the miracle. Miracles are not to precede the faith. So Jesus answers scripture for scripture. It is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Again, we find the purposes and intentions of Satan thwarted, and Jesus becomes a victor. In the third temptation, 
Now he shows Jesus all the splendor of the world. All kingdoms, cities, fields, flocks, lands, and all that nature could offer. Though they were not his to give, Satan offered them all to Jesus. And sometimes he offers them to us. And he's offering them to him who had lived a modest life of a village carpenter. With all the earthly glory, wealth, and splendor spread before him, Satan said unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Jesus knew if he were faithful to his father and obedient to every commandment, he would definitely inherit all that the father has. And so would any other son or daughter of God. The surest way to lose the blessings of time and or eternity is to accept them on certain terms. Jesus was later to say, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? In power and dignity, Jesus commanded, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Anguished, and defeated, Satan turned and went away. And when the devil had ended all the temptations, Luke tells us that he departed from him for a season. But Matthew says that angels came and ministered unto him. As with Jesus, so is with us. Relief comes and miracles are enjoyed after the trial and temptation of our faith. Running through all the temptations, there is Satan's insidious suggestion that Jesus was not the Son of God. The doubt implied in the tempter's repeated use of the words, if, he keeps on saying, if thou be the son of God. You must prove that you are the son of God. You know, many times we meet people who want a proof. Are you really a Christian? Are you really a church minister? How do you prove that you are one? Are you really a powerful man of God? And I think many of us have been thrown into trying to prove. These, of course, were foreshadows of that final desperate temptation which would come three years later when Jesus was on the cross. Again, he was told, if thou be the Son of God, 
come down from the cross. In Matthew 27, verses 40. But Jesus patiently withstood that ploy also, knowing that in due time, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that he is indeed the son of God. It was not necessary then or even for Jesus to satisfy the curiosity of men, least of all unholy men. So as victory in every encounter came to Jesus, the pathos of the tragedy of Satan's life in every is ever more obvious, fast, bold, taunting, and tempting, then pleading weak and desperate, finally and ultimately simple banishment. The question for us now is, will we succeed? Will we resist? Will we wear the victor's crown? And I think those are important questions that we need to ask ourselves. Satan may have lost Jesus, but he doesn't believe he has lost us. He continues to tempt, to taunt, and plead for our loyalty in many and various ways. We should take strength for this battle, for the fact that Christ was victorious, not as a God, but as a man. With faith and prayer and humility and sources of strength from an eternal world, we are able to live unspotted in the midst of a world of temptations. You can look around and see that we are living in a world that has become increasingly secular. There was a time in our country when there was a debate of the dress code. And a team came up with a phrase, my dress, my choice. And I think the, what's going on in the world is now a matter of choice. And people have taken it a little bit too far. We thank God for the Anglican Church of North America. Because you have stood, you have stood for the truth. And you know when you are standing for the truth, be ready to be persecuted. It is not easy. But of course, Jesus says that they will know the truth and the truth shall set them free. We can confidently sing with the psalmist and say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Today I pray that this be my song, and it becomes our song, and the song of the entire church, that we will not succumb to temptations because we know that God is on our side and he is able to stand by us. He is able to protect us and he is able to provide for all our needs. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit,